And if you screw it up and if you get it wrong and you go into your retirement and you haven't dealt with these issues and your spouse thinks things are going to get better and they don't and you go into your latter years, life gets really lonely when you're old and your spouse has left you. This is the Military Sherpa Podcast. Left, right, left leadership insights from America's best. With your Military Sherpa, Mark Tilsher. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, it's great to be with you today. We are right in that perfect time, right between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And uh, this is by far our favorite time of the year in the Tilshire house, that is for sure. So starting on December 1st, we start doing something different every single day. So from December 1st, all the way through the Christmas season, uh, we do everything from ice skating and gingerbread houses and uh, you know, doing reindeer games. And we just, we, we keep pretty busy. So it's, it's a lot of fun. And uh, I just hope that this season is life-giving to you. And that's kind of what this podcast episode is about today. So I have a lot of conversations with friends and they have a very similar theme. And this, this episode might, it might feel a little bit like a downer. Like as I was putting this together and, and, and doing my, my prep, you know, it felt a little bit like a downer and I, I hate to do a downer episode right before the holidays, but there's a message that I, I feel like I need to get out there. And the conversation I have, I have multiple friends that have this exact same story. And so my guess is that there's a lot of you out there, a lot of you listening, that either share their story, you either have the same story as them, or you have friends that have the same story, or you have people working for you that have the same story. And so I'm gonna share that with you now, and, and, and I'm gonna tell you what I want to tell them, or what I wish that I tell them, or that sometimes I do tell them. But I'm gonna to try to get my thoughts out on this topic, and, and as soon as I start, you're gonna know exactly what I mean. But I have a lot of friends that are dealing with post-traumatic stress disorder, mental health issues that are dealing with issues in their life, in their head. And, and these issues are, are debilitating. They cause them great stress. And they cause a lot of stress to their family and, and to their friends and to their children. And as I talk to all of them, the story is always the same. It's, it's always, what are you doing about it? And the answer that I get back is, well, I'm just dealing with it. When I retire, I'll get help. When I separate, I'll get help. When I'm done with my military career, I'll start to seek help. And it's like, well, why is that? And 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 these same people, and sometimes I talk to people that are like commanders, let's say, and they're like, if my people are having trouble, I'll command direct them to go to mental health. It's like, okay, cool. What are you doing? Oh, well, when I get out of the military, I didn't get help until I got out of the military because I didn't want X, Y, or Z. And on the enlisted side, I hear things like, well, I don't want to be on the do not arm list. I don't want to get my firearm taken away. I don't want a career transition into another career field. I want to separate from the military. I'm afraid of what's going to happen. What are the ramifications to my job, to my life, to my finances, to my income? And the hypocrisy of what I experience is beyond words in my mind. Because people that I talk to are phenomenal people. And they look down and, and they'll insist and direct and force their subordinates to go to mental health with, with a legal weight behind that. And these same people will wait out their career. Oh, that was Siri, just in case you heard it. But those same people will wait out their own career before they go to mental health. And Jordan Peterson has this quote. It's in the 12 Rules of Life. And, and one, it is simply treat yourself. Like you treat someone you're trying to help. Treat yourself as if you were trying to help you. Treat yourself as if you were important enough to you. But very few people are willing to do that. I don't want to get help. It's not comfortable. It's not fun. And, and there's a, a fear, especially when you're in the military. There's a fear of ramifications. 
But I want to put that stigma, right? We always talk about the stigma. Well, there's a stigma to getting help. And that stigma is, you know, you're going to be seen this way or you're going to be seen that way. And I think that stigma is real, but I think it's given more credit. I think that that the stigma is less of a barrier than the true real life consequences to getting help. I think the real true life consequences to getting help, that if I go get help, I might lose my firearm. I might go on the do not arm list. I might, I might actually have to change career fields. I might have to change careers. I might have to leave the military and go do something else. And good golly, is that scary because I joined the military right out of high school. I don't know how to do anything else. Here I am still trying to lead service members from this side of my computer. I don't know anything else. It'd be terrifying if I went to the Department of Veterans Affairs and they said, well, you know, you've got some mental health issues, so now you can't do your podcast, you can't teach, you can't certify, you can't travel. It would be, it would crush my soul. I feel it and I understand it and I understand the stigma and I felt it my whole life, my whole career and even now. It's one of the reasons I decided to be so transparent is because that stigma hurts and it, it, it handcuffs and it cripples us because we're holding on to it alone. But as soon as it gets out there, it's like, okay, there's no more there's no more fear of the stigma. There's no more fear of repercussion because I'm dealing with the consequences. And there's something that happens. It's like a little kid, you know, there's something and there might be something in the closet. Maybe there is, maybe there isn't. We're human beings. We're designed. We are literally evolved to be afraid of the dark because the dark is scary, right? Like we huddle around the fire at night. We don't go out into the woods in the dark if we can help it. And, and the reason is there might be something in the dark that can kill us. So we're afraid of the unknown. The unknown is scary. The stigma is terrifying. But I think that the careerist in us is far more debilitating, is far more impactful than simply being afraid that people might look at us differently. The part of us that is hungry for advancement in our career, for recognition, for new stripes, new leadership, new money, career progression, to retire and get a retirement check, that holds us back more, in my opinion, than the fear that people might look at us a certain way. I believe that to be true. Both officers and enlisted, when they don't seek help, I never hear, I've never heard, not once have I ever heard anyone say, people might look at me different. People might think I'm weak. And, and that's what we focus on. We need to get these tough guys to, you know, come down off of their, no, I never have once heard that. Not working with special forces, not working with airmen, not working with Marines, not working with commanders, not working with a junior enlisted, never. I have only heard, I don't want my career to be impacted. That's what I've heard. Over and over and over again. The same story. Is it possible? Is it possible that we're focusing on the wrong part of mental health stigma? That we're focusing on people are afraid because they don't want to look weak. And it's actually people are afraid because they don't want their career to be terminated. They don't want to change jobs. They're terrified of what might happen to them if they have to do something other than what they know. And so as we look at this, here's what I want you to understand. It's fine to prioritize your career. It's great to prioritize your career. It's admirable to prioritize your career. You've chosen a profession full of self-sacrifice. But when we say that I'm going to prioritize my career over my own mental health because I'm tough enough and I can wait until the end of my career to deal with my problems, someone bears that burden. You bear some of it. But the truth is your family pays the price. And in every one of the scenarios that I know of, every single person that I'm thinking of in my mind, every person I talk to, every person I try to mentor, to help, to coach, every one of them have stories of things that they do, things that they say, and ways the relationship with their spouse and their children has been damaged over the years 
progressively, not stagnant. It's not, okay, you know, it's a little inconvenient week over week. No, it just gets worse and worse year after year after year. Your family pays the price. Your children pay the price. It's not you that's so tough that you don't need to go get mental health treatment because you can bear the burden. You can deal with it. Okay, cool. Can they deal with it? Did they sign up for that? The prolonged suffering of dealing with unaddressed mental health issues, PTSD, those things. Did your family sign up for that? I tell you that they didn't. Your spouse said, you know, if you did traditional marriage vows, sickness, health, death to us part, all of those things. And, and, and I hold those bonds to be sacred. I will, I, my, I will not leave my wife unless I die. There's no other way I'll ever leave this marriage, right? Like, I won't stop her from trying to leave me. I'm not a psycho or anything, right? But, but I won't leave, right? Nothing can, can cause me to break my marital bonds. But she didn't sign up for my suffering and my trauma. I'm tough. I can deal with it, right? I can get through just about anything. But did she sign up for this? No, she didn't. Did your spouse? No. Did your children? No. This was issued to them. Same way my boots were issued to me at basic training. And we get this thing in our mind that, that our family, we don't, don't always consider the impact on them. I'll, I'll, I'll tough it out. But that means they have to tough it out. I'll deal with it. Well, that means they have to deal with it. I can get through this. That means they have to get through this. And often they end up carrying a, a greater burden than we do. And it's the burden they carry that can quite often make us feel the worst because we know we have enough self-awareness to understand and others' awareness to understand that it isn't just what we're doing that's impacting us. We know that we're disappointing, that we're hurting, that we're damaging people around us. We know that. And so that can add to our spiral. It, it, it makes us feel worse and worse. And, and here's the truth of the matter. And someone said this to me and it completely changed my perspective. Nobody cares about your trauma. And, 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 and it felt harsh, right? Like it was pretty damaging. But at the end of the day, it's like nobody cares about your trauma. Nobody owes you anything. Nobody owes you to deal with your trauma. No one owes you patience with your trauma. No one owes you 10 or 15 years of walking by your side so that someday you can deal with this. That's way too long. That's your life. It's your youth. The best years of your life will be given over if this isn't dealt with. Nobody owes that to you. Your spouse doesn't owe that to you. And so when we assume that trauma is as part of our identity and we expect other people to suffer through it because they love us, like when is enough enough? They don't owe you this, but you owe them. You owe it to your spouse. You owe it to your children. You're their father, their mother. Your career ending up on the do not arm list is not more important than the happiness of your spouse and your children. Losing your command is not more important than the relationship that you have with your spouse and your children. Leaving the military and getting a new job that doesn't trigger your PTSD or that more than that allows you to go get the help that you need is more important than your career. It's more important that your spouse has a fulfilling, happy life with you. The person they've chosen to walk side by side with throughout their career that's more important than your career. It's more important than, than carrying a firearm. It's more important than anything that you can stack in that column because that's the one thing that carries with you when you leave your military career. It's the one thing that's eternal. And if you screw it up and if you get it wrong and you go into your retirement and you haven't dealt with these issues and your spouse thinks things are going to get better and they don't and you go into your latter years, life gets really lonely when you're old and your spouse has left you. 60% of men lose contact with their children one year after divorce. The number jumps to 80% after two years. Get divorced one year from now, odds are you won't see your kids. Two years from now, the odds are great. Two out of 10 men still have contact with their kids two years after divorce. 
50% of service members get, get divorced, only 3.1% of active duty, 50%, 60% of veterans, 80% of combat veterans. You don't deal with your trauma, that's what's going to happen. The odds are, everyone's different, but the odds are if you've been in a combat zone, if you're dealing with PTSD, if you separate from the military without dealing with it, 80% of us will get divorced. 60% of those men will lose access to their children after one year, 80% after two. That's the future. It's the future. I don't want that for you. I don't want that for your family. I don't want that for your spouse. But you're the one who controls it. You can't sit in my house or, or on the phone or, or in my class and say, I would command direct my airmen to go to mental health and then say, I'm not going to go to mental health until I retire. What is that? That's hypocrisy at the finest level. So your family is going to suffer through it. We can't do this. We've got to break that chain. Why is your career, you've got to answer this question. Why is this career more important than the happiness of your family? Why is this? Because it's not you dealing with it. It's them. There are other jobs. There are other careers. There are other lives that you could be leading. It's terrifying. It's scary. The happiness of your family is worth it. And nothing says that if you go to mental health, you're going to lose your career. It's possible. That possibility keeps your family in a perpetual state of chaos, a perpetual state of strife, a perpetual state of, of uncertainty. Which dad, which mom are they going to get? And so here's what I want you to do. I, I know that I'm really getting passionate about this subject, but man, I've had, I've had enough of looking people in the eye and having them tell me how they take care of their people and then tell me they won't get help until they were 20 years. I'll get help in 15 years or 10 years. I'm over it. I'm over it. And until you're angry enough about this problem, you're not going to look down at your people or look at yourself through the lens until you've had enough, right? Until you hurt enough, until you've had enough, you're not going to do anything about it. And so here's three ways that you can have enough. There's three things that you can do right now that will help you to get fed up with this problem enough to take action regardless. Damn the consequences. There are three things that you can ask right now. So I want you to go to your spouse and I want you to say, look, I know things have been hard. I know that I've been dealing with it. I don't think I fully understand what you're dealing with. Here's what I want you to do. Can you just write me a letter? Take a week, take a month, take as long as you want. But I just want you to write me a letter and tell you, how is what I'm going through impacting you? Be brutally honest. I want you to tell me, do you cry in the bathroom? You know, are you, do, you, do you not sleep? Do you? I want you to, to, to tell them or I want them to tell you. How is what you're going through? How is what I'm going through impacting you? Be brutally honest. I need to know the truth. And that's going to be hard, especially if they love you. And then if they're willing to do that, there's a second question. Look, how would our life improve if I was able to work through this? How would, how would our life get better? What do you see in the future? If I could figure this out, if I could sort through this, how would our life get better? So first, how, do, how does what I'm going through impact you? And then how would our life get better if I was able to work through this? And if they're willing to do that, you can ask them the third question. What's the worst case scenario if this, can, if this continues on? What's the worst case scenario? Where does this end? Where do you see this ending if I can't get this under control? And if you, you, you're honest and you're open and you sit down and you, you read these things to yourself and, you know, in the, in the still of the dark by candlelight and, and, and you, you, you paint this perfect little emotional uh, uh, safe zone, if you want to call it that, then you can start to see the impact and, and maybe 
feel the impact of, of what you're doing on them. And if you still, at the end of all of this, don't want to get official help, there are some places out there that, that won't cost you your career. There are some places out there that you can get help. I, there are, there are, are uh, mental health facilities that help veterans for as little as like 50 bucks a session. Right? There are places out there. If you go to SART or if you go to qmissions.org, he specializes in helping veterans with PTSD. He's not an official government agency. He's not going to report what you talk about. You know, I'm not saying you can tell him you killed people. He's not an anonymous source by any stretch, but he's not inside of the military ecosystem. But if you go to Q Missions, he has this amazing focus on healing through service, healing, connection, and serving. I can't think of a better place for you to go. I've had him on the podcast, so you could look up that episode. But Q Missions, go there. So it's just the, the letter Q and then missions. It's a great place to start. It's outside of the military ecosystem. But I've lost respect I've lost respect for people that tell me how much they care about their airmen, but at the same time tell me they won't get mental health until they get out of the military. I'm done. I'm at the end of my rope with these people and I have no more patience for it. Because you'll destroy your family, but you'll devote your time, your love, your effort, your energy to people that in all likelihood you won't remember 10 years from now. You'll walk into retirement if you're dealing with combat PTSD, 80% of you will lose your families, 60% of those won't see their children after a year, and 80% of those won't see their children after two. And you'll gladly march towards that future so that you can maintain your title, maintain your position, and maintain your action, your access to firearms. It's time to make a change. I hope this conversation brings you life. I hope that you go do great things. I believe in you. I'm not an anonymous source, but you can email me anytime, mark at marktilshire.com. I'll absolutely jump on a call with you and man, I'll support you. It's not all challenge. I promise you that. So I'll, I'll support you. I'll help you in any way that I can. And I know Sergeant Q personally, I'd absolutely love to uh, to, to connect you with him. And uh, I hope you have a great holiday season. I hope that this is an impetus to action and I hope you do something with this. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Military Sherpa Podcast with Mark Tilshire.